It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. We're back on or the the program is up and going here. July third. We're not back. We're just starting. We're back for another edition. July third, two thousand fourteen. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you. A busy. Uh, time this weekend for lots of people, lots of activities going but on. For those in the listening to us in the United States of America, it's a busy weekend. Probably yeah. not too much you know, for those it, listeners in, uh, yeah, well, Chris in the UK, probably. Yeah, Chris, our friend Chris in the UK who listens often. Uh, I think they're he, wearing they, sackcloth think, and ashes. They, they work on July 4th. It's yeah, not right. a holiday no, over no, there. No, no, no. But we do. And okay. so, uh, and we're glad for it. And, uh, and so we know a lot of people are busy this weekend, and looks like we might have a little bit smaller than usual live audience. Hope people people can listen to our archives if they miss it in the live version. Right. Right. Uh, but we try to always be here on Thursday nights, even if it's a holiday weekend. We try to do it anyway. Rain or shine. Rain or shine. Uh, all right. And so we'll look forward to the discussion tonight. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven is the telephone number to use, and it's still working. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address. It is up and running. And the chat room to the bottom of your video feed is up and running as well. Sign in there with other listeners, and we can take your comments uh, there as you chat with other listeners on the program tonight. And, uh, wow, you're getting close to home here tonight. Yeah, before, you, uh, we, introduce, you... before we introduce our oh, topic, yeah, though, yeah. Jacob, let's, let's remind people of our upcoming event uh, here at the College Church of Christ. We're going to conduct what we're simply calling a community bible study yep. july 21st and 22nd it won't be here at our facility it'll be at a at, at a public building in downtown columbia at yep. the memorial building right uh which is just a couple blocks straight west due west of the downtown square in columbia uh, so on monday night and tuesday night july 21 and 22 uh at 7 p.m each evening we're going to conduct a series of studies uh, Kevin Clark, who's an attorney from Birmingham, Alabama, will be here to lead our study. And the topic is, I think, a very pertinent one. It's certainly uh, in the news a lot, and that is we're going to talk about homosexuality. As I've communicated with Kevin, he, he suggests that the first night is basically just going to discuss what God has said in his word about homosexuality. And then the second night on Tuesday night, he's going to deal with how we as Christians should be reacting in this increasingly tolerant age that we live in how should we conduct ourselves relative to this topic of homosexuality all right, all right. we'll want to be there for that july 21st 22nd 2014 memorial building columbia tennessee and if you're not in the columbia tennessee area but you want to come you can email us for directions right right it's That's easy right. to find and uh you'll be glad that you came so uh, uh again if, if you're anywhere close to within driving distance of us here in columbia tennessee in the middle tennessee area uh, we hope you join us uh, on those dates. And uh, before we go any farther, we need to welcome Nick uh, from Florida back. He's behind the board again. Uh, Nick, it's only been about six weeks, and uh, so we're glad to have you back. Well, thank you. Good to be with you all tonight. All right. He's going to be a veteran technician here he before is. long. Yeah, he'll have to come up here every Thursday. 
Um, well, you're getting close to home tonight. I've been wanting to talk about this for a long time because I think there's some things you need to hear tonight. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought the subject up. We're going to talk tonight. Our topic, as we, we put out earlier today to our update list, the topic we suggested for study tonight is the preacher, his work, and the local church's relationship with him. All right. Uh, and so that, that's a worthy subject. We've, we've, we've sort of, uh, dealt with it in, in sort of cursory ways in the past. But we want to spend the whole hour tonight talking about the preacher, the work he should do, uh, and we want to talk about how the church should relate to the preacher. And uh, we're going to uh, we're going to do it by looking at two specific texts, but I think it'll give us a chance to branch out into all pertinent uh, categories. The the text about the evangelist and his work we're going to we're going to study Second Timothy four one through five. We want to know what points the questions we asked today. What points can, about the work of an evangelist can you make from Second Timothy four one through five? Number two, what points can be made about the church's relationship with and, and the church's duties toward the preacher from 1 Corinthians 16, verses 10 and 11? All right. Uh, but again, I th- those are the texts that we'll use to sort of make our main points, but I think we can branch out. Yeah, and uh, just the way you phrased your question, uh, it, uh, it it addressed some, some issues uh, that we could get into tonight. Uh, first off, you, rec- you, uh, you called... The person we're talking about tonight, the preacher, you didn't call him the pastor. Yeah, we could talk about that. That's uh, that's one that I we, see. We, underst- we understand that the scriptures make a distinction between the preacher or an evangelist or a pastor. A pastor is an overseer, a shepherd, a bishop, an elder, yeah. and the preacher is not that. Now, the preacher might be might possibly serve in dual roles. He might be a preacher and a pastor, but yeah. a preacher is not a pastor per se. In a passage one of our listeners brought up, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it makes that distinction. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So the preacher is obviously not the pastor here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Those are two different it shows roles. shows a distinction in roles. Yeah. Now, uh, we think that it that it would be scriptural if a man was qualified. Of course, the qualifi- qualifications of a pastor or a, an elder are stated in First Timothy three and Titus chapter one. Mm-hmm. And if, if a man who was an evangelist or a preacher also met those qualifications, uh, I think that he could serve a dual. It, it wouldn't be one job; it'd be he'd be doing two roles. Uh, in First Peter chapter five, uh, Peter. The Apostle Peter says, the elders which are among you I exhort who am also an elder. So Peter uh, had had a dual role. He was an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was an elder, apparently, of a local congregation. We, we think that would serve as a sort of a uh, precedent that could be followed today in, in cases where it was deemed uh, right and needful to have the preacher serve in a dual capacity. Uh, it could be done. First Timothy chapter five verse seventeen. You believe this is talking about that preacher, that elder who would be a preacher as well. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. You think that's potentially talking about a, a, a elder who is a preacher as well? Maybe, or uh, I think some, the way we sometimes say it's sort of a full time elder, one okay. who is devoting all of his time to the work of being a pastor okay. or an elder. Uh, but that would certainly include a lot of teaching and preaching, too, sure. for sure. Okay. All right. Uh, so there's one uh, misunderstanding that's prevalent in the world. You know, another one I see, you, 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 and when I first read the question, I thought this sounded funny, but then I realized you worded it differently. You said the preacher, his work, and the local church. You didn't say his church. A lot of people refer to uh, 
congregations as being the preacher's congregation. Oh, yeah, that's that's Preacher Jones's church yeah, yeah. or Preacher Smith's Oh, you've got church. a wonderful church here, Preacher. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, we would really uh, object to that kind of terminology because we understand it's the Lord's church. It doesn't belong to any man or any group of men. It is the Lord's church. And we try to be careful to make that, to use that kind of terminology. I think but, when it comes to that, Using Bible terms in Bible ways is very uh, significantly well, and it, important. And it has, a, it has the, the, the tendency to elevate the preacher uh, above uh, others in the congregation, as, as in he's in some type of ruling class, and he's not. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, okay. So let's start out with the, the first. We want to talk about the, the, the preacher and his work, and we're going to use as our text 2 Timothy 4, beginning verse 1. I want uh, let's just read that uh, to, to get started. Second Timothy 4, beginning verse 1. Second Timothy 4, verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the, the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. First off here, we can note that Timothy was not a pastor because he doesn't meet the, he wouldn't have met the qualifications of those mentioned in other places as a, as a young apparently. married man, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Right. we don't know that he was married or anything about his family situation. Yep. Yep. Uh, notice he was told to preach the word and then... In verse 5, he was told to do the work of an evangelist. You know, I, I use those terms synonymously, preacher and evangelist. Uh, we, we have in the chat, Stephen is in the chat room, and in an email that he sent in, I think he um, might want to make a distinction between the work of preacher and evangelist. I'm not sure, but I think those are, are synonymous roles. Uh, evangelist, maybe not. I'm, I, I may have mis, I may have misread no, what no, Stephen. Stephen, you're in the pick, chat room. You can correct me. I didn't pick uh, up on that. But uh, uh, same thing. He says same thing in the chat room. So yeah. uh, Timothy was a preacher. He was an evangelist. We use those words interchangeably. Now, a couple of things just in introduction to what Paul told Timothy. It was a charge. Uh, that's he says. I charge thee therefore before God uh, to preach the word. Mm-hmm. The, the, that's pretty serious terminology, and it literally suggests to place a solemn responsibility upon him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is a, an important job and a very vital role. It's not something to be taken uh, sort of nonchalantly. You know, here's this guy, you know, and he's, he's, he's gone through high school, and he's been beating around, you know, a little bit. He's had an odd job here, an odd job there, but, he, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have much – he doesn't have much – you know, established goals. Uh, his priorities are are are, are not well defined, and and he hasn't he hasn't really decided what he wants to do. I think I'll just preach. You know, yeah. you know, he he's got the gift of gab, and he can go out there and he can Flat he can him. he can give a lesson, and he can be friendly, and yeah. uh, people like him. You know, ah, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I guess I'll just. I guess I'll just preach. So your yeah. fallback job. Yeah, just sort of a uh, you know he can't do anything else, so I guess he'll preach. Yeah. Uh, I, I really think that's a mistaken notion of the job of preaching the gospel. Well, Lord the kingdom deserves better than that. Yeah. So Paul used a, a serious terminology here when he said, I charge thee to uh, do the work of an evangelist. Um, and 
the the work of an evangelist uh, is what we want to talk about. And so I, I think in this text, notice he he gave him the charge, and then at the end of that five verses, he says, "Do the work of evangelist, make full proof of the ministry." And I think in between there, he defines what that work would involve. Okay. So uh, we ask our emailers, what do you see there? Uh, and we'll get to some of those emails in a minute. But obviously the very first thing uh, that he told him to do was preach the word. Right. I wonder how most people – let's say, Jacob, that you were the boss on a job and you hired this guy to work for you. And so, you know, after – Four or five days with him on the job, you realize that nothing's been done. Nothing's been accomplished. None of the things that are supposed to be done have been done this week. And you go out to him and you, and you, to check on what he – and he's busy, but he's busy doing stuff that's not the job you gave him to do. In other words, maybe he's he's been uh, uh, running his, his own little eBay Internet sales operation while he's on the clock, supposed to be doing your work. Uh, or even something. I mean, maybe maybe uh, you're. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you've got a you've got a business, and you're going to buy uh, hire a high paid accountant. You want you need a CPA. You're paying this guy big bucks, and you you bring him onto the job, and he's working, but he's cleaning the bathrooms. Yeah. While you've got uh, well, he needs to be doing his CPA work. Yeah. So the the point of it is, the the preacher has a job to do, and it, and it, it is centered on preaching the word, not other things. Mm-hmm. And really what we want, need to emphasize is there is that, unfortunately, there's precious little word in the preaching that a lot, a lot of folks do. Certainly, I think that's characteristic well. in the denominational world. You know, I think in the denominational world, it's, you could go and sit through a service and, and find precious little reference to the word of God. Yeah. And we would, we would condemn them for that. But I tell you, I think that's creeping into the Lord's church. I think we're finding, uh, preachers who who are they have a lot to say, but very little of it is based upon scripture. And they don't make much reference. I went to hear I went to a gospel meeting not long ago, and the young man preaching, quite a good speaker, but I think he only alluded to maybe a couple of, of Bible verses in the course of a forty-five minute talk. Nick, are and we I, hitting on a raw nerve here? I would hope not. Uh, I mean, I mean, do you, you you see the same problem? Oh yes. Uh, when you go to hear uh, the preaching of the gospel, the good news, that's exactly what you want to hear from those who are going to evangelize, is proclaiming that good message of the good news. Yeah. And one of the requirements of the uh, speaker is going to be to do as Paul told Timothy, to study, give diligence, to show yourself approved unto God. And uh, so it takes study on their part of, of the Word of God to be able to preach the Word of God. You know, I yeah. think a lot of preachers are, are focusing more on their presentation than uh, than the material. I mean, they're, they're concerned about how smooth of a speaker they can be and how, uh, you know, how they can speak without notes and how they can, uh, you know, tell the good story. And they're not uh, they're not too concerned about the message and the material. Yeah, I think it's, I, I really think that's exactly right. I don't know about you, Nick, but when I'm preparing a lesson, and I make the points I want to make, and I and I look at my outline and say I don't have enough scripture there. You know, there's the point that I want to make, but I haven't I haven't sustained that with scripture. I, I've I've got to I've got to back that up. If that point's worthy of making, then I've got to be able to show it from scripture. So I'll go back there and 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 do some more work, try to flesh that out, and put more scripture in there. Uh, but I don't think a lot of guys are doing that. Yeah. 
I, I believe that we need to take the word of God and be able to uh, speak forth. You know, it, it, it's simple in its uh, uh, message and uh, is given to people for the common man, and I think we ought to be able to speak those words of truth to people in an understandable way. And so that's what people should be wanting to come here is the word of God. Yeah. I think what we're getting, uh, unfortunately, is a lot of, uh, of human philosophy and pop psychology. And, uh, and and when that's the case, the preacher is not doing his job. His job is to preach the word. All right. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Stephen in the chat room says, Paul came with fear and trembling. And so, you know. Instead of this sort of. Confident, or, confident oratorical skills. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's take our first break, Jacob, and when we get back. We want to continue to talk from this text where Paul charged Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. And Stephen's chatting among himself with himself there. Uh, that's all right. Uh, Stephen can talk to himself, but uh, he'd like you to join the chat room with him. Sign in there at the bottom of the chat window. It's very simple to do. We'll continue the discussion right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. Here's some quotes worth pondering. The world suffers a lot, not because of the violence of bad people, but because of the silence of good people. Success is the sum of small efforts repeated day in and day out. Our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. Man, wish I'd said that. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. Back on the program tonight as we talk about preachers and their work. Let us know your thoughts, 877-381-4567. As you said, there, there's a job. They need to be preaching the Word. Uh, sadly, many are not. and uh, Many are uh, simply looking to t- tell a good story, to have a smooth presentation. What matters is the truth of the gospel, and if that is presented those who love the truth will think you did an excellent job and will uh, will uh, take the message to heart. Uh, those who just want to hear a good story may not be so amused, but uh, that's up to them. Yeah. Paul goes on in that text, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and, and ver- beginning verse 1, but we're actually into verse 2 now. He says, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. Mm-hmm. I want to key in on that as part of the preacher's work. You know, Maybe what this calls to mind, Jacob, is what they do in the stores. You know, the stores have an end-of-season sale. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the reason being is they realize that some some things are not 
popular at certain seasons. For instance, they wouldn't expect folks to buy wool sweaters in the middle of, of the summer heat. That's out of season. Yeah. Right? And so uh, sweaters are not wanted. There's no interest in sweaters in the middle of the summer. Right. Well, Paul told Timothy, though, you preach in season and out of season. In season would be when when there was a desire for such things. Out of season was would be... When people not really look, not interested, not not wanting it. When it's popular, when it's unpopular. Yeah. So when it's easy, and when it's hard, when it's popular, and when it's not popular, that's when preachers preachers should be preaching the word all the time. And Paul did that himself. I've got a, a note here to look at Paul's work in uh, Acts chapter fourteen. So in Acts chapter fourteen, beginning verse eleven. It says, when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lycaonia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And Paul and Barnabas, it says, scarce restrained they the people that they had done sacrifice to them. So initially when Paul was there, uh, he was very popular. But it goes on to say, as the text goes on, there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city supposing he had been dead. Yeah. And so he went from having to restrain them because they wanted to do sacrifice to him till they cast him out of the city and stoned him. So he saw both ends of the spectrum. They're very popular, well-received, completely rejected, and, and, and with attempts to kill him. I don't know. What would you do if you're in a case like that? Yeah. Well, it says the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. And when they had preached the gospel in that city and then on, he, did, he didn't stop. He, he did what he told Timothy to do, preach the word instant in season and out of season. Stephen says during persecution and when it's not suffering persecution. And that, that is uh, another way to put it. Absolutely, Stephen. Uh, when it's popular, when it's not, uh, Nick, there will be times when uh, certain messages are well received and uh, certain times when they're not. Uh, but uh, if it's in God's word, it needs to be. It's something we need to hear, whether or not uh, it uh, makes us happy. That's yeah. correct at all times. Yeah. Um, quickly going on in that same text, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. All right, we got some words here that we may not have used today. Um, in fact, I don't think I've used any of those words to this today, and maybe not even this week or this month. Well. So what do you what do you got? Um, to reprove means to convict, to call attention to, uh, usually with kindly intent to correct or assist. All right. So that's the idea of reproof. So Re- you're just sort of calling people about you know remember this. Yeah, don't forget this. Yeah, uh, be you, sure you, you do think that. About that. Don't. Yeah. Okay. The next word stronger. Rebuke is to disapprove of, to criticize sharply to turn back or to keep down. And so this is a strong word. Someone's doing the wrong thing, and you, you correct you, you, now. You, you disapprove of what they're doing, and yeah. you criticize it sharply and tell them to, to make it right. Okay. So reprove, rebuke, exhort. Uh, to exhort is to admonish, um, to encourage one to do what he has learned is his duty. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, usually the first two words are usually s- suggested to be of a more negative intent. The word rebuke especially is very negative, but reprove sort of has a negative, a little bit of a negative mm-hmm. connotation. Rebuke has a strong negative connotation. Exhort has a positive connotation. 
I've heard people try to suggest that the preacher's work should be based upon that. Two-thirds negative, one-third positive. I don't think I don't think that you can draw that <laughs> mathematical conclusion. Yeah, huh? try to make a math. I don't think you can make a mathematical formula out of that. But here's here's the point. The point is uh, that many modern men who who identify themselves as preachers, but I don't think they're doing the work of an evangelist. They want to be all positive, all mm-hmm. positive. You know, I don't I don't like to deal with negative things. You know, I just want to be positive. You can't do the work of an evangelist and avoid dealing with negatives. People uh, people are involved in sinful activities. They they need to be corrected in that. They need to be reproved and rebuked. Uh, and if if you're saying no 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 that's not that's not what I'm going to I'm just going to be I'm going to focus on positive things. I'm going to be all positive. Well, you're not you're not doing the work. All right, we need to have. You can't. A, yeah, you got to have a spine. You got to do. You got to. You got to do the the hard uh, preaching there. Um, you know, you re- you reference those two words, reprove and rebuke. It sort of reminded me of the exhortation of Jude, uh, verse uh, twenty one and twenty two, uh, or twenty two and twenty three. And on some have compassion, making distinction, but others stay with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment by the flesh. A little maybe a little bit different uh, passage there, but. The same idea is that you're going to have to make a distinction. You have to make use the same, you can present you can present the same topic as a as a reproof or a rebuke, and uh, and there may be different uh, scenarios for when that is. All right, uh, I, I got an interesting Old Testament parallel statement to Jeremiah. The Lord said, "See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over kingdoms to root out, to pull down, and to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant." So it's always been the work of God's spokesman to deal with both negatives and positives. Jeremiah was told to do that yeah. as well. Yeah, all right. And anybody who won't do both is not doing the work of an evangelist faithfully. All right, uh, we're going to have to move here a little quickly, Jacob. But, yeah. Uh, the, the next part of that expression, uh, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So uh, a couple of things there. Uh the idea of long-suffering would suggest the attitude the preacher is to have while he's doing this work. Uh, he, he's to be long-suffering. Uh, attitude is very important. Attitude affects the work that we get done. If the preacher is, is, uh, gets frustrated to deal with some folks, uh, you know, maybe some who are not coming around, some who are stubbornly resisting instruction and so forth, uh, what do you do? Well, you keep on doing the work with long suffering. You, you you don't allow the frustrations or the setbacks to stop you from doing that. Uh, so he says uh, he to Timothy. He says that he should engage, uh, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So he has to have this attitude to keep on keeping on long suffering. But also notice the emphasis on doctrine. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, you, you hear these people, you've, unfortunately, you even hear some preachers, I, I just think that you can go overboard on doctrine, just putting too much emphasis on doctrine, yeah. you know. Uh, so so when we have lessons about baptism for the remission of sins or uh, lessons uh, condemning instrumental music in worship or when we have lessons about the Holy Spirit and his work. Or even about, moral issues these days. Uh, uh, moral issues about uh, miracles ending, about Bible authority, about the work and organization of the church. Oh, man, that doctrine, that, that's not popular. People don't want to hear that. You've got to have more of these positive, feel-good kind of lessons. 
stop being so adamant about doctrine. Yeah. You're going to drive people away if you preach too much doctrine. That's that's the kind of advice that we're being given. Yeah. Paul told Timothy, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, obviously that's our job as well. Yeah. Um, uh, people, uh, th- then he goes on to say there, uh, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap themselves teachers having itching ears, and they turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. I think the next thing to emphasize from that text is you, the, the evangelist's job is to watch. Uh, to watch suggests the idea to be on guard, be on the lookout for danger. Obviously, the danger we're talking about here is spiritual danger. Yep. Uh, now, the pre- this is not saying the preacher is to be paranoid, but he, he's certainly to realize that there's an intense spiritual warfare going on all around us. Right. And, and uh, uh, he, he needs to be watching, be aware, be aware of the doctrinal dangers and the false teaching mm-hmm. and how people can be led astray uh, when when. When preachers are reduced to the role of a social and recreational coordinator, party planner, and field trip chaperone for the young people, then his job really suffers. He's not watching sure. uh, as as he should. Yeah. Uh, so he is to be watchful. So those are the uh, – well, one more thing. One more thing that I would point out from that text. He is to endure afflictions. Wow. Uh, notice, watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember that guy we were describing a little bit earlier? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I haven't, I haven't been able to get a good job, so I think I'm just going to preach. You know. Uh, so he, he he goes into preaching as sort of a fallback, but then when times get kind of hard, you know, maybe there's maybe he he's it's not turning out as well as he thought. Maybe people even mistreating him because he's a preacher and message he tries to preach. I'm getting out. I'm getting out. You know, I'm out of here. Yeah. Well, that's not enduring afflictions. Uh, I really think uh, that Paul was telling Timothy that he ought to expect that there will be hardships associated with his work, that b- being a preacher of the gospel is not always just a bed of roses, uh, that, that he, he will, there will be some difficult times and he should be prepared to endure through those and keep doing this work. All right. We can talk more about this on the other side of the break. We need a break. Uh, but, you know, as you mentioned uh, those things, you sort of jumped over the fact that some people aren't going to endure those things. Some people are not going to like it. They're not going to like it. They're not going to put up with it. And they're going to seek those who will – they're going to have itching ears, and they're going to seek those who will tickle their ears. Yeah. You know, and we see that in the And world. that's exactly the opposite of what Paul's telling Timothy to do there. Yeah. So you can see that. But, but, you know, it's interesting to me that here we are nearly 2,000 years later, and we, we see exactly the scenario that Paul painted there, you know. And how often have we seen and heard of faithful gospel preachers who were working diligently to preach the true gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who were teaching those doctrinal, necessary doctrinal lessons, who were watching for spiritual dangers, and brethren just didn't appreciate that at all. And so they get rid of that guy to bring in someone who will give them that good, feel-good preaching that they desire so much. And sadly, as long as people want their ears tickled, there will be someone out there who will be willing, willing to step up to the job and tickle the ears. Uh, and uh, it is a sad uh, case. We're going to get a break, get this week's bullet point, and when we get back, we'll take your thoughts. Stephen in the chat room says he's on the front lines. 
the preacher that is. He says the church should bring up the rear and support the evangelist. Uh, that is uh, true. The church should support him, but sadly, many will not. Take a break. Get your thoughts on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 11 and 12, describes the case of a person who had an opportunity to act in a life-threatening situation and did not. Notice how excuses began to be offered. Quote, Deliver those who are being taken away to death and those who are staggering to slaughter. Oh, hold them back. If you say, see, we did not know this, does he not consider it who weighs the hearts? And does he not know it who keeps your soul? And will he not render to man according to his work? From this text, some things are obvious. First, the one in a position to help knew or should have known about the unjust treatment of the victim. Pleading ignorance is seldom a reasonable explanation for failing to act. Second, we're reminded that excuses are usually pretty flimsy. Others can usually see right through them. We are not gullible fools. We can easily detect when someone is trying to rationalize their failure to do the right thing. Actually, excuses are very often a direct insult to the intelligence of those to whom they are offered. Third, it is definitely true that God knows the real facts of the situation. While others may be occasionally deceived by fabricated stories to evade responsibilities, God is not. And finally, this text from Proverbs chapter 24 warns us that despite our worthless excuses, we're still accountable to God. He will not fail to punish those who have callously shirked their duty while offering up a pretext of justification for their inaction. In the end, he will, quote, recompense to every man according to his deeds, Matthew 6, verse 27, not according to our silly, transparent excuses. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Kate, and I'm three years old, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the Virtual Bible Study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight. we, we got to get that Kate to say virtual. Yeah, well, she had her mouth full. We were at the dinner table. <laughs> That's about as good as you can do. Uh, we're, uh, we're, we're reminding you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And we welcome your comments at any time. Questions at collegeview.com. If you have questions about something you heard on a program, you disagree maybe, or you have a suggestion for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study, or you just have a question that you'd like that answered and discussed in this format, send it to questions at collegeview.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Yeah. Anthony in the chat room raises sort of an interesting question. He said, do we put too much emphasis on the sermon? Do we make it the centerpiece of our Sunday worship services? And if so, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I've heard folks complain that services all build toward the sermon and other things are rushed or done first as some kind of a crescendo to the sermon. Valid criticism? Uh, maybe so. Uh, I, I would argue that the sermon is not any more important than anything else that we're doing on the Lord's Day, but it is important. That's uh, all it's very equal, important. Equally important. I think maybe if we're in that entertainment mindset where we want that we were looking forward to the entertaining message, then perhaps it would become. Yeah, if it's book. entertainment, if I'm here to be entertained, yeah, if this is supposed to be of, fun, yeah, what, and games. Oh, he does it. Yeah, you know, then then I want that guy who can tell jokes and you know make me feel good. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, Obviously, that that's somebody who's looking for the wrong thing out of a worship service anyway. And Roger in Murfreesboro sent in his email today. Thank you, Roger, for participating. Roger jumped right on your questions. He responded within 30, well, 31 minutes. He is back with his answers. Uh, thank you, Roger, for your response. He says, um, he, he says, Paul writes, I charge you 
Uh, to understand the charge, we must first return to the third chapter and notice the statement of verses 16 and 17 of First Timothy, or Second Timothy chapter 3. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That is, those are the verses that precede the passage we've been looking at tonight. So, uh, Roger makes a good connection there. He says, then, here the charge is recorded in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. Do the work of evangelists, make full proof of thy ministry. Uh, the work of the, an evangelist is to preach the word. The trends, fashions, popular opinions, and philosophies of the day were to be discarded, and nothing but the pure, unadulterated word of God was to be heralded by any servant of God. Excellent points by Roger. Thank you for making that connection for us there. Uh, He says the work of the evangelist is to be instant in season, out of season. The preacher must be eager and ready to impart the wonderful message at all times. As the text reminds us, there will be times when the message will not be well received. There are times when the messenger of God will have to stand alone. Uh, The work of the evangelist is to reprove. This means bring the fault home to the offender. The work of the evangelist is to rebuke. This means to help one understand the penalty of rejection. The evangelist is to be long-suffering. The idea is slowness to wrath, gentle patience with people who have stumbled. Thank you, Roger, for your good comments tonight. Okay. Um, We have an email from Ramona uh, who asked a simple question relative to the preacher. Well, let's hold that to the second part, whether the preacher should should be a paid preacher, whether the preacher should be paid. Hang on to that question. And then uh, Stephen, who's uh, who's uh, almost alone in the chat room. Uh, he's the only one talking. Others in the chat room, but they must just be lurking. Anthony's Anthony, talking Anthony's a little bit. It. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Stephen says, no other subject is as near and dear to me as this, nor any topic so misunderstood in the Lord's church. Evangelist is only found three times in Scripture with about as many examples of their work. In addition to the work, there exists the office of evangelist, as shown in Ephesians 4.11, where it says Jesus gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Apostles and prophets as the foundation were laid in the beginning and have served their purpose as foundations are wont to do. The next office mentioned is logically the more important of the two that remain. It's not just the order that makes this true, but in keeping with fulfilling the Great Commission. The order... Now, I don't know if I'd really agree with Stephen that, in other words, that, that an evangelist is is more important than pastors. They're both critical, and I don't know that the order that they're listed there could be argued to mean that that the work of an evangelist is more important than the work of pastors and teachers. I'm not sure. I, in fact, I don't really agree with that, the, that the order suggests one is more important than the other. But going on. Yeah, it would be a stretch, I think. Uh, the, the order is to go into all the nations, preach the gospel. That is the job of the evangelist. He is to preach. That's what an evangelist does to the lost in the highways and byways. Not preach to the choir on Sunday. Sunday is reserved for the pastor or elder to teach and feed the flock. That is the second part of the Great Commission. Can only follow the first part. Teach them all things whatsoever I command you. The preacher's job is outside the church walls within the local community, and the elder's job is inside the church walls, so to speak. We have adopted the located preacher method of of the denominational world and have the preacher chained to the pulpit doing the work that elders are supposed to be doing. Then during the week, if you want to see the preacher, call for an appointment during office hours. When we start insisting that evangelists evangelize the lost on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, etc., then the church will grow numerically. And when we insist on elders who are able to teach, then the church will grow in all important ways spiritually. Our traditions are killing the growth of the church, and our schools of preaching only foster more of the same. 
You have repeatedly said on your shows how we need to follow the pattern. I commend you, brethren at College View, for doing so. But now a breach in the wall has come to light as a result of the topic of the work of the evangelists. Look forward to listening. I, I, there's a there's a, a strong chord of agreement here, Stephen, with what you've said about uh, the preacher being chained to the pulpit, uh, keeping uh, sort of sort of punching the clock, keeping office hours. If you want to see him, make an appointment. Uh, you know, I agree with that. Elders need to be teachers as well. Could agree with that more? And, and, yeah, elders. The, the preacher is not an elder. Unfortunately, in a lot of congregations, the, the preacher takes over the work of the elders, and the elders sort of do the work of the deacons, and the deacons don't do much of anything and at el- all. Yeah, elders, that's uh, one of their uh, – they uh, need to be able to teach. That's yeah, uh, so uh, I, I agree with a lot of it. But I would have to, I would have to disagree that, that the preacher doesn't teach the church as well. Yeah. And I, I would use as, as a verse uh, to support that conclusion in First Timothy chapter 1. Now, remember – Timothy's an evangelist. He was charged with doing the work of an yep. evangelist. But yep. in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, uh, wait a minute. That's not where I want to be. 2 Timothy Second, 1? 2 Timothy. Or 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2, verse 10 is, is talking about uh, things that the elect uh, need to now, hear. But, but no, those in up, verse 14. Verse 14, Timothy is told to remind them, that being the elect, the, the, the saved, of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. So Timothy had a message that he needed to proclaim to well, the saints as well. Told, well, but Paul told the verse I had in mind, and I wrote down the wrong one. Let me go. Let me see if I can find it real fast. The verse I had in mind, Paul told Timothy to remain in Ephesus and charge them that they teach no other doctrine. He was he was obviously dealing with the church at okay. Ephesus. Yeah. Let me see if I can find this real quick. Yeah. Uh, well, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go. Ahead, what I was thinking was uh, when you read the Roman letter in Romans, the first chapter, and Paul is writing to the church at uh, uh, Rome, he's talking to people who are in Rome as well as the saints. And if you notice, he says that I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who yeah, are to at Rome. Yeah. And that includes the saints as well. Right. So, I think you're exactly right, Nick. And the verse I was wanting, I wrote it down wrong. First Timothy 1, it's not 13, it's 3. First Timothy 1, 3. I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which men are questions rather than godly edifying which is in the faith. So I think Paul was telling Timothy he had a work to do with those who were already Christians at Ephesus as well. So uh, my, my slight disagreement with Stephen, although I'm very sympathetic with a lot of what he said there, is I do think that the preacher has a role in t- teaching not just the lost, but also he, he can be effective in teaching those who are already Christians. Now, Stephen says that it would be a second work, and so that's that might be another point for for question or discussion here. Is his primary work towards the lost and his secondary work towards the church, or can we make that distinction, do you think? I don't know. Uh, again, that, that, that would almost be like asking me, what's more important on your car, the engine or the transmission? Yeah. Well, you can't answer that question. You've got to yeah. have them both if you're going to be a, a uh, effectively functioning automobile, and so I, I don't know that I would try to to identify, but but he should be doing both. He should said. be doing both. Okay. And what I what I really agree with Stephen about is that I don't think as preachers we're doing enough of the, evangelizing the lost. Okay, all right, all right, so, okay. Stephen, point well taken. Thank you for your your. All right, well, let's take our last break, Jacob, and then we got to hurry in the last part of our lesson to talk about how the church should relate to the preacher. All right, and Ramona is on vacation. And even at that, she has sent in her question, can a preacher be paid? 
Or should a church not have a paid preacher? What do you think about that? Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Hi, I'm Lane Crawford, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you've never visited with the College View Church of Christ, you may be wondering what our worship services are like. One thing we have at every worship service is music. We believe God has commanded that music be a part of our worship. But something you may notice about our worship is that the music we have in our worship is different than the music used by many in the religious world today. The music we worship God with is strictly vocal. We don't believe God has commanded us to worship Him with instrumental music. Therefore, since we want God to approve of the worship we offer Him, we only worship in the way that he has specified. In Colossians 3.16, God instructs, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Instructions like this in which only vocal music is commanded are the only instructions we can find in the New Testament. Since God didn't tell us that he wanted us to worship him with instrumental music, how can we be sure that he wants that kind of worship? We do know that if we worship God like he prescribed with vocal music, that he'll be happy with that kind of worship. We hope you'll make plans to visit with the College of Church of Christ to learn more about what our worship is like. We'd love to have you join us in worship with our Creator this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. 37% of Americans believe that God observes but does not control what happens on earth, down considerably from 2003 when half of Americans expressed this belief. Just under 3 in 10, that is 29% of Americans, including a majority of those who self-identify as very religious, believe that God controls what happens on earth. That information is via Harris Interactive Polls. The Word of God says in Daniel 2, beginning verse 21, He changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3, 17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight, and we welcome you back as we talk about the preacher and his job and his relationship to the church. Real quickly, and we're going to have to hurry here because we're in our last segment of the program, but I wanted to use 1 Corinthians 16, 10 and 11 as a text to suggest how the local church should react to and what they should do for the local evangelist. He says in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 10, Now if Timotheus comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, I think some things to suggest there. Let him be with you without fear was the first thing that he said there. Okay. Um, one of the things that was certainly true in the first century is that those men who were preaching the gospel were subject to really life-threatening persecutions. It was really physically dangerous. Paul certainly had had experienced that sort of thing. Um, and so he, when he was writing, in fact, he said, I was with you, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 3, I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And so he, he thought it was important for the church to, to make it so that Timothy could be there without fear. Uh, he, he was sort of encouraging the church to be a, a haven of safety for the evangelist Timothy. Well, how is it in the world today? In the world today, or at least in this part of the world where we live and do our work, the world pretty tolerant of us. I, I don't get much persecution from the world for the work of an evangelist. 
I'll tell you, mistreatment comes more often from stubborn, rebellious brethren. Uh, and it, it shouldn't be that way. The, the evangelist has a right to expect a, a, a friendly reception and a kindly cooperation from brethren rather than an ugly uh, mistreatment. Nick? It's interesting because last evening in our Bible study, I used that very verse here, and I thought about how that Paul has just rebuked the Corinthians all the way through this letter, and he comes to the very end of it here and then talks about the young man, Timothy, of how the brethren are to are, are to take care of him and, yeah. and look out after him. Exactly. And, and uh, it shows the confidence level that Paul would have had even in those that he would be rebuking. Yeah. Uh, and to, uh, what, to come he, to that what he expected of them exactly. toward the evangelist. Yeah, right. you, you know, you, that's the you ought to the the, the, the those who are listening to your, your your preaching ought to you ought to they ought to give you the common courtesy of of the fact that you can be confident if it's the truth of God's word they'll take it and they'll accept it and they won't retaliate against you and, and should be treated fairly. Yeah, yeah. Nick, you remember Robert Turner who put out a, a, a widely publicized bulletin a number of years ago, uh, and. In it, he had an article in which he was talking about the, the mistreatment of preachers. Unfortunately, preachers have been mistreated often, even in this common, even in our day. And, and I remember the phrase in the, in the bulletin article, he wrote, get a taste of preaching, bite a preacher. <laughs> and, that's what, and that's what some brethren do. <laughs> yeah. uh, Stephen says, we ministered to Native Americans and watch out for your scalp. Now, come on, Stephen. Are you serious? I'm afraid that might be some hyperbole there. Okay. Right. Quickly, go on. He says, for he worketh the work of the Lord. Now, I think that's significant. He's working for the Lord. Now, get this. He's working for the Lord. The members are supposed to be working for the Lord, too. The Christians in the local church are supposed to be working for the Lord. That being the case, then we're teammates. We're not on opposing teams. We're not in competition with each other. We're supposed to be working for the same objectives. Mm-hmm. It's not a competition. And if we work together, then we can accomplish so much more. So uh, realize that he works the work of the Lord. Okay. And he goes on to say, let no man therefore despise him. Uh, the word despise means to set at naught, to treat with contempt. And I gotta tell you, uh, that apparently in that day was a real problem. I think it continues to be a problem today. Uh, Paul said to Timothy, now in other words, there is a real danger that Christians will treat the preacher with contempt. In 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example. To Titus, another evangelist, he said, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Wow. Uh, and in Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 29, he encouraged that receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness. Hold such in reputation. So the idea is that. The preacher should not be despised, but should be held in, in respect for the work that he does. Um, unfortunately, that's not always the case. And I think if we, Stephen is in the chat room, if we had others who would comment, uh, we, we know plenty of examples where preachers were treated with contempt, and that's that's wrong. Nick, I think you, had, you have a thought there? Well, I, I think of, you know, preachers get up and they preach and they reprove and they rebuke, and of course they have to be able to re- not be thin-skinned. They need to learn to receive rebuke 
And, of course, brethren need to extend that in the kindness just as they would expect the the preacher or teacher to uh, be rebuking them and and exhorting them to the ways that are right. And like you said, it's working together, uh, you know, and if a preacher is wrong about something, uh, rather than the congregation send him off down the road and get rid of him, they need to get him corrected before they send him to someone else. That's exactly right. Is what I think. That's exactly right. All right. All right, so here in this uh, brief little text, uh, Paul said, If Timotheus comes, see that he may be with you without fear. He works the work as, of the Lord as I do. Let no man therefore despise him. And then he says, But conduct him forth in peace. The idea of that was to aid him physically in his journey, help him as he's making these trips, going mm-hmm. abroad, preaching mm-hmm. the gospel, and so forth. Now, it's certainly not exactly the same uh, in our day and time. We live in a more prosperous time, and... And so if I'm going to make a trip to go someplace to preach the gospel, typically, you know, I, I'm not dependent upon being able to go to brethren in that place who will take me the, the next leg of the journey and so forth. It's a little different. We, we, we certainly have it better than Timothy and Paul had it when they were going about preaching the gospel. But the idea of conducting the evangelist forth in peace would, I think, include things like paying the preacher a fair and adequate wage, uh, being mindful of his financial circumstances, realizing that as the cost of things goes up, the cost of things for the preacher goes up as well. Uh, Ramona asked us, what do you think should the church pay the preacher? Is it right to have a paid preacher? She says she knows of a congregation that believes that you should not have a paid preacher. Uh, Stephen in the chat room uh, suggested 1 Corinthians 9, the verses 14 the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. If you wanted authority for paying the preacher, there it is. In a nutshell, they that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. All right. We don't even we don't just have that uh, uh, instruction, uh, but also we know that Paul received pay. You know, in Philippians chapter four, he mentions being supported in the work that he did in preaching the gospel and so forth. Now. Uh, I'm afraid, uh, I think that Ramona's question hinges more on the fact of uh, having someone who, as we would call him, maybe a located preacher or someone yeah. who, who preaches uh, for, for a group of people full time. Yeah. Uh, well, again, we remember that statement that we that we had to that we had to search for there briefly. But in First Timothy one verse three, Paul told Timothy to stay and work with the church in Ephesus. Mm-hmm. We know that Paul himself had spent three years in Ephesus in Acts chapter 20 when he was speaking to the elders of the church at Ephesus. um, He mentioned that uh, verse 31, Acts 20, verse 31, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Mm -hmm. Paul had been at Ephesus for three years. So. Uh, it has been that has been a point of some controversy through the years, and some take a position no located preacher is sort of the way it's usually described. But I, I don't think that that can be supported in the scriptures. Okay. Uh, so the the church should support the preacher financially. The church should also make his work easier by doing their own work. Uh, the, the the preacher works with the saints in a local community, but he doesn't do the work for the saints in a local community. He works with them, but not for them in the sense that he does their job. They don't have to, when they pay him to do what needs to be done, they don't have to do anything. That's, that's wrong thinking. In first Thessalonians chapter one, verse seven, 
Paul says to the Christians at Thessalonica, you were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, for, for, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. Paul said, my work's made easier. I don't have to do so much because you all have been so busy right. proclaiming the gospel. You can't. You can't hire out your work uh, that the God has, expect, has given you the charge to do, so the, we can't push all that off on the elders. On the preachers, yeah. On the preachers. Sorry, I was yeah. reading a passage about the elders that yeah. Stephen had submitted in the chat room. Okay, so uh, the preacher has important work to do. The church, how they relate to him and how, and how they conduct their business can either be a, an assist to the important work of an evangelist or it can be a... And a negative, hold him back, keep him from being effective. All right. Well, have we made it through? I think we made it through. We need to okay. remind our listeners one more time. We've got a couple of weeks here, but it's coming up fast. Two weeks from this coming Monday, July 21, and then also the next night, July 22, uh, we're going to have a special, what we're just simply identifying as a community Bible study. This is an evangelistic effort. We're trying to reach out go. in our community to try and uh, to make contact with people who are seeking yes. to know things from the Word of God. We're calling it a community Bible study. It's not here at our church building, but rather it is at a public building in downtown Columbia, the Memorial Building, just two blocks west, due west of the uh, of of the town square in Columbia. Uh, Monday night, Tuesday night, July 21, 22, at seven o'clock each night. We're going to talk about the very in-the-news topic of homosexuality, same-sex marriage, and so forth, all of that. What does God say about it, and how should we as Christians be conducting our affairs relative to those who are pushing this homosexual agenda? And and we'll give you a little tip. We're going to preach the word when it's out of season, because I'm afraid that this message is not too popular. Yeah. uh, 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 You know, here in the heartland in Columbia, Tennessee, we probably won't meet with a tremendous amount of opposition. I'm sure it would be much more opposed in other segments of our country. Right. But even here, you know, everybody's been, everybody's been coached to be very tolerant. You know, we just have to be so tolerant of homosexuals. Well, how should we react to homosexuals? What, what should be, and that's going to be part of the study. How yeah, should but we those ourselves? who are committed to doing God's word and will need to hear this message, especially because the world is is bombarding us with uh, concepts that are contrary to God's word, and Christians are being affected by the world every day on a, a wide variety of moral issues. And this, I'm afraid, is the next one in line that will be, will begin to see uh, be eroded among those who claim to be Christians. I think you're right. Uh, we've got to be prepared to know what the, the scriptures teach. And uh, we need to be able to defend it. So uh, we hope you make plans to be back, be with us July 21st and 22nd, 2014 in Columbia. If you need any more information, send us an email, questions at collegeu.com. Good discussion tonight on Preachers, Dad. Thanks, Dad. I hope you were listening. I hope so. And you too, Nick. I hope you were listening as well. Thank you for being here, Nick. Thank you. All right. Appreciate you joining us on the program. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. I hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.